Existential, a podcast aimed at reminding you that it's okay to be human. We listen to human stories and human experiences, and we wrestle with issues of justice, faith, and culture. I'm your host, Corey Leak. Thanks for listening. y'all welcome to episode i think this is episode 83 or 84 85 don't know which one off the top of my head i really can't remember but (laughs) welcome to this episode of existential and i'm so grateful for all of you who are a part of this community especially those of you who are part of the patreon community i'm so appreciative of you and and other folks that aren't like um regularly in the patreon but there is support that that i have gotten over this last couple of years since the podcast first debuted. That's just been amazing. And I'm so appreciative of all of you uh, who have supported me, supported the work, uh, whether it's, whether you've cash apped or Patreon or Venmode, whatever you've done. Thank you. Thank you. I really, really, really appreciate you. I appreciate all of you who have rated and reviewed this podcast. If you're listening to this for the first time, this is the first episode you've ever heard of this podcast. Welcome. They're the last like four episodes, I think, have just been to me some of the best episodes we've done. They've just been so I guess they feel really timely. They feel like really important. Um, the guests have just been amazing um, from Dr. Dome last week to Candace Binbo and Christina Cleveland. It's just been, gosh, just some great, great conversations that have had like deep resonance with me you know like i don't um i I try to be in this process of learning and growing and contending and wrestling along with you who are listening to the podcast like i'm not like giving you something for you to wrestle with that i'm not actually also wrestling with and, and I think what this episode is for me is one to, I don't, I don't know if set the record straight is the right term, but there are some things that I want to be clear about in terms of where I am on my own journey spiritually, my journey socially. Um, and, and I want to just kind of speak to some of that. So uh, I'm going to probably do like a brain dump not incoherently it's like a photo dump that you see people do from like an event they had like stuff that was going on and they just went like they finally got to instagram and just dumped all the photos i am going to do that from some of the conversations we've had on the podcast but just what i've been thinking about and processing for a little while i'm going to just dump those as a photo dump for you to just kind of slide through all right um so First, let me say this. Uh, we've been having some some really interesting conversations with uh, my youngest daughter over the last uh, several months as she has questions about the Christian faith, the tradition that we have come from. And my children have watched as I've gone through this process of deconstructing. I mean, when we moved from Atlanta to Illinois to Southern California to now the Bay Area, all of those moves were moves because their dad was a worship leader going to work for a church. Our last transition was their dad leaving a mega church and kind of going out into the wilderness and going on this journey <laughs> to discover 
something new and different and more revolutionary, I believe. But for them, just sort of watching that, it's been interesting the things that they've asked. And they've asked me actually a couple different times, uh, Dad, are you still a Christian? And or or made comments like, Dad's a Christian? <laughs> no, which is from my kids funny. From some of you on the internet, it's annoying. But from my kids, it's funny. And like I um I had to come to grips with the fact that the way I live now and the questions I ask now and the um, statements I make now for anyone who's known me before, i.e. my children, my partner, um, or for any person who approaches faith and spirituality through the lens of binaries or categories, I understand how you would wrestle with the notion of me considering myself a Christian. And to be totally blunt and honest, I don't believe I do consider myself a Christian. And I think it's important that you understand as you listen to me talk, as you those of you who have been a part of, of listening to me, um, that I don't want you to have the expectation that you are hearing Christian orthodoxy or fundamental Christian principles. Because I think that God, in fact, I know that God transcends any one religion. Some may call that universalism. Some may call that like new age, whatever you want to call it. I, I don't have a category for what it is other than living and taking a journey as Dr. Christina Cleveland described and, and talks about in the book, God is a Black Woman, taking this journey off the plantation to discover what is this voice that is calling me out and where is it leading me? And discovering that that voice is leading me into this massive expanse in the universe that is powerful and beautiful and mysterious and has room for all of us in it. Has room for everyone, has room for transgender, has room for um, black and brown and women and children people who are liberal and people who are conservative. People who want to defund the police and people who are in the profession of being police, that in this wide open expanse of God, everyone fits in there. Now that doesn't mean that while we all fit in that giant expanse, that there isn't work to do to figure out how do we best live with one another, that, that we don't figure out how to build boundaries to protect vulnerable people from harm, how to keep the powerful from gaining more and more and more and more and more and more and making sure that those who are not powerful have less and less and less and less and less. The fact that we all are included doesn't mean 
that some of us aren't bad actors who need to be held accountable for our bad acting and our bad behavior. But, you know, uh, there's a couple of things that um, I think I want to communicate about where I'm at in my journey. Um, again, just to be clear, for those of you who, who need clarity, want clarity, or whatever, or maybe so for some of you, it may just be helpful to hear what a journey's like. So I, I, um, I do not believe that the Christian faith has a monopoly on God, on <laughs> um, the good place, if there's such a place after this life, on virtue, on doing good in the world. And so when you see me on the internet say something like, there are a lot of great Christian books in the world and the Bible's not one of them, what you are watching me do is saying to all of my Christian brothers and sisters that our Muslim brothers and sisters, our Jewish brothers and sisters, our Buddhist brothers and sisters, Hindu brothers and sisters, um, all people, our, our non-binary um, I don't know if we even call them brothers and sisters, but our non-binary uh, siblings all belong. And it's me saying specifically of the Bible, which I have, I've started to have more and more of an issue just saying the Bible because the reality is that the, the Bible literally means library, which means multiple books. And also in the canon and in the collection of these multiple ancient writings, there are several. There's the Hebrew Bible that has books in its library that are not a part of the 66 books that Christians call the Bible. Catholic, the Catholic Church has books within their library that Christians don't acknowledge as canon or sacred or um, inspired. So when I say that the Bible is not a Christian book, what I'm saying in part is you don't have a monopoly on a collection. You don't get to say that the ones that we believe are inspired by God are the only ones that are inspired by God, especially in 2022, a couple episodes ago, I'm like, I got going so much and didn't realize till I was editing that it was like, oh, I said 2021 a hundred times. It's 2022. So in 2022, none of us get to say that these collections that we have are all there is to know about God. And these are the only ones that are inspired. These are the only ones sanctioned by the creator. That's just, I don't know the word for it. I mean, the word that first came was ridiculous, but it's just, it's not something that I feel comfortable with as a human being who is contending for inclusion. And as a human being who is not a deity, but who has created, my belief, created in the image of the deity that created all of us, I'm uncomfortable making declarations about other people and their faiths and their beliefs and their standards and their values when they are making a genuine attempt to connect to the creator that I claim to pray to, to interact with, to talk about, 
to be inspired by. Now, at this point, maybe the Christians have stopped listening, so I don't know. I mean, if you're a Christian, you're still listening. Hats off to you for enduring all of that, because for a lot of Christians, that is a very, very difficult journey to take. The things that I just said <laughs> over the last, I don't know how many minutes that I was talking. But I, I, I think it's important for folks to understand Corey's view, Corey's stance, is that the world is too big to narrow it down to a small corner. And if it is narrowed down to a small corner, as the Patreon community heard me say to William Matthews, we're all screwed. I didn't say screwed to the Patreon community. I said another word that I'm not going to say because I don't want to put explicit on this uh, particular episode. But if it is true that we're all narrowed down, that, that the concept and idea of a divine creator, creative being, is reduced to a narrow way, that narrow way will probably exclude most of us. And for any person to believe that that narrow way they're going to fit in that and I'm not and you're not and this person across the street is not and the person wearing the hijab is not and the person who practices Buddhism is not. To believe that these people are not going to make it through this narrow gate but I am is tough. It's tough. In 2022. I, I don't think it was tough in the times that the Bible was written in. Because if we go back, especially to the first testament of the Bible, th these were people who were in competition over whose God was best. We weren't dealing with a bunch of people who um, believed that there was only one God. What they believed was, was that their God was better than all the other gods. And this was a time period in which every country, every, every, every group of people, the, from the Hittites to the Midianites to the Philistines to all of these, these, these surrounding countries around Israel, all believed that their gods were better than the other gods. And so it was proven through battle, through military um, altercations. So the first thing that would happen after, after you went to war with, with someone else is you would go ransack their temple so to, to declare that your God was better, your God was greater. That was what you were, you would do. So, of course, there is a a hint of our God is better from the writings of Scripture because that's how everyone communicated. They all believed that their God was better. They all thought that their God was better because their God helped them win the war. And of course. Even after the time of Jesus' life on earth, if you take that literally and believe that Jesus was here, uh, existed in history, that writers like Paul and John and Peter would have some same sense of our God is better, our way is better, because they only lived in a time where there was a Roman Empire who had shown how shitty powerful, godlike, um, 
men could be to the world. So of course, the the notion of a of a God, of a son of God, who's what, again, as those of you who've listened to me for a while, you know that this is what Caesar, Augustus, and, and all of the, the Caesars believe, that, that, that or, or at least would tell everyone that they were the sons of God. So, of, of course, for Paul and Peter and everyone else in this time period who was a part of the Jewish diaspora and followers of the way, not even called Christians, but followers of the way, of course they would have a sense that if there is a son of God who is gentle and meek, and willing to sacrifice himself so that no one else had to suffer, of course they would say, this is it. This is better than anything else we've seen. And if you want to make the argument that to this day, a deity willing to sacrifice themselves and suffer so that no one else had to is worth following, I would agree with you 100%. But a deity that's willing to suffer so that no one else has to would also be a deity that would recognize that people born in civilizations that learn to come to the creator through a different way. Wouldn't that deity willing to suffer so that no one else has to want the passageway to goodness to be as wide as possible? I know some of you who are Bible savvy would go, well, what about the, the narrow gate? And what about the, I'm the way, the truth, and life, and no one gets to the Father except through me? I, I, great questions. These are parables that Jesus told. That there was a narrow way, that there were a few he also told a parable about sheep and goats. And the parable he told about sheep and goats was really interesting because at the end of the story about the sheep and the goats, the sheep were surprised at their fate and the goats were also surprised at their fate. And the description of the sheep and goats were flipped from what we might think is someone who gets in, if you will. Because the goats were... Um, people who thought that they were living in a way that got them exclusive access to the good place once it was all said and done and the sheep were just going about doing good in the world contending for a better world if you would and when it came to it they were like oh really us too we, we get in so I, I think there is a a need for us to pause anyone who has a, a conscience and is like interested in spirituality, which is any of you who are listening to this podcast right now, some of you might actually be hate listening, which is totally fine. Like, but if you're listening to this, you have something in you that says, I actually want to connect with a higher power. I want to know what that higher power is about. I, I want to understand how that higher power functions. And beyond that, I want to understand how that higher power and connection to that higher power causes me to live in the world in such a way that prevents people from suffering. You see, I, I and many of the folks that I know who have gone on this journey that has many names, we call it deconstructing, other eras and time periods have called it something different. But all of us went on this journey 
the same way that Christina Cleveland went on hers, that Candace Benbow went on hers, that Abraham went on his, that Moses went on his journey, that Paul went on his journey, that, that Elijah Muhammad went on his journey, that Gandhi went on his, that Dr. King went on his, that Mother Teresa went on hers, that, that, that this is a journey that people take with an honest sense of, I want to understand and connect with my creator. And I don't really care anymore about what people around me believe to be true. The reason why this is stuff that you read about before um, this, you read about the story of, of Abraham in Genesis, the reason why, one of the reasons Abraham was so willing to leave and follow a formless voice into a wilderness and wander around and be ridiculed and talked about was because it didn't make any sense to him that they would build gods with their own hands and then turn around and worship those gods. And for many of us, there are things that just didn't make sense in our tradition that we said, this doesn't make sense to me, and I do feel this urge. I feel something inviting me out into something greater, bigger, more expansive, and so I'm willing to follow this thing and see where it takes me. And I know that following this thing will lead to some ridicule, will lead to some um, people kind of separating themselves from me. It will lead to some tension. It will lead to some difficult conversations. It will, it will lead me to some inner turmoil. It will, may lead me to need some counseling and some therapy, but I, I can't turn back now because I have tasted and I have seen that there is goodness in this wilderness that I am out here pursuing. So I, I can't turn back. And I know that you think that it's dangerous and that I'm going to hell and that like, but you, but oh my God, I know that you're fretting about it and I understand that fret, right? This, this, is, this is what any person that goes into the wilderness has to tell their friends and family. I know that you're worried. I know that you think I've strayed too far away and that I'm lost. But I've got to follow it. I believe it. There's a story in um, one of the gospel writers tells, I can't remember which one, but there's a story where Jesus was walking on water and they see him and they're all scared. And Peter, one of the disciples, who's probably the most impetuous of them, was like, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing this because I'm not looking at the story right in front of me, so, you know. If, if I'm playing Bible trivia, I might lose. Uh, but he he's, sees Jesus and somehow he gets invited to walk out on the water. And, and Peter walks out on the water towards Jesus and he's doing it. And it's, you know, it's, kind of a, it's kind of tumultuous water. It's a storm. He's doing it. He's walking on this water. He's like, oh my gosh, I'm doing it. Like, do y'all see this? I'm walking on water. This is, I am walking on freaking water right now. And he, he, he's walking out to Jesus. He gets out to Jesus and he's, he's he the, the, as the story goes he has his eyes fixed on Jesus and then the moment he takes his eyes off of Jesus and kind of looks around the storm he begins to sink and the rest of the story is Jesus was like sucks for you and walks back to the boat and Peter drowns and dies 
I mean, that would be a terrible story, right? It's an awful story. That story sucks. That's why that's not what the what the Bible writer wrote. That's not what the gospel writer wrote. What the, the way the story went is, Peter began to sink. Jesus reached his hand down, picked him up, pulled him out of the water. Let's, for the sake of me talking to all of you, knowing that some of you who are listening to this are not uh, Christians, don't come out of the Christian tradition, but let's for a moment use Jesus as an archetype of divinity. Let's, let's for a moment accept the Christian worldview that Jesus is what God looks like on earth. And if that's what God looks like on earth, when we as human beings make an attempt to do something that is following deity out into a, a strange place, out into something that's unfamiliar, uncomfortable, never done this before, but you called me out of here, so I'm willing to come out. When we walk out there and somehow get off course, maybe, don't you think that that deity will do as Jesus did and reach their hand down and pick us up? So those of you who have friends or family that you're worried about, or maybe you got friends or family that's worried about you, tell them about this story and, and remind them that God isn't cruel. And the people who make genuine attempts to connect to the higher power that is God, if that's something that you believe in, are going to be okay. Like, we're all going to be okay. We're all going to be fine. They say that the, the, that the one of my favorite things that I'm saying over and over again now, I feel like I'm, well, I feel like I'm getting old. Well, I know I'm getting old. I shouldn't say I feel like I'm getting old. I know I'm getting old. One of the telltale signs that I'm getting old, side note, is I went to church this past weekend. I went to a church, and some of you are like, what? Yeah, I, in fact, the person I told I was coming to their church almost was almost trying to talk me out of coming. I only went because I needed to pass some time, but whatever. Neither here nor there. So I'm at this, not that I have an issue with church. I speak at a church like once a month or so. I do have an issue with church, but that's another episode, okay? So just hold on to that for some other time point I'm trying to make is the reason I feel old is because I I had to leave the auditorium because the music was too loud. Like I, I I used to lead worship. I used to sing. I used to like sing loud in the mic and I wanted it bumping and I was in that room like this is too loud. Get me out of here. It hurts. So anyway, another thing that makes me feel old is that how fascinated I've become with space. I like want to get a telescope very soon. In fact, soon I will get a telescope. And I will spend way too much time at night staring out into space, seeing if I can see comets and planets and shit. Anyway, um, what fascinates me about space is recently, over the last year or so, becoming aware of the fact that our planet is traveling through space, like flying through space at an ungodly amount of speed, like some crazy amount of speed that I can't really remember off the top of my head. And the author who was writing a book that, that sh um, showed me or to told me, told me directly, right? The author told me and everybody else who read their book um, that, that we were all, we were hurling through space said this, this line that has stuck with me ever since I read it. It's that we don't know where it's going, but it's going somewhere good. If you are a person who believes in a higher power, 
we have to believe that that higher power is kind and benevolent. This is, this to me is the most beautiful hope of the Christian tradition is that the Christian tradition in its purest form, not the evangelical um, vein of it that has really in a lot of ways corrupted its essence, but in its purest form, this, this idea that, that there is a, an archetype who, to show us what God looks like. And if that person is Jesus and we look at Jesus and go, okay, this was a kind person who looked out for the widow and the orphan and the most marginalized people in society. This is a person who, who was kind to women and who was touching lepers who were untouchable, who was healing people and spending time with people who the well-to-do folks in society were like, why are you spending time with them? So like that would give us some hope that deity is kind. And if we believe that deity is kind, then we have to believe we're going somewhere good. And that even in our deconstructing, that process that I don't believe should ever end, we're going somewhere good. There is this uh, notion and I've heard it a couple of times through my process of deconstructing that it's unhealthy to stay in a place of deconstructing. Eventually you have to reform and rebuild something. And that, that may be true in a sense, right? That, that we do have to um, come to a place. And I think this is what this, what this episode is for me, for, for all of us, I hope, is to kind of establish here's where I'm at right now. I think there is an importance to going, here's where I am right now. Not where I was, not where I'm going, but I can drop a pin to where I am at the moment. That to me is different than being reindoctrinated. It's like that some of the talk of like higher education, especially when it comes to theology, is that they like, you know, you just get all your beliefs just torn apart and taken and deconstructed and then in, in your, you know, sort of the, the undergrad and underclassmen phase of, of, of seminary, they do that. And then and once you get to the junior, senior year, they start to re-put all this stuff back together. I don't really want that. I don't think you want that. No, I, th I think what we want is, it's where I'm at right now. I'm okay with that. We're going somewhere good. We're not there yet. But we're going somewhere good. There's some things that... Um, we believe are virtuous and important and valuable. And those things will always be about people. They'll always be about others. They'll always be about love. They'll always be about kindness. They'll always be about equality and inclusion and the, the human dignity that every human person on this planet deserves to have. We believe that there is value to, um, individual care so there is a value to a communicator certainly a communicator who is like um a, a, a communicator of, of in religious space in faith-based or spiritual space to communicate to the individual about their own situation and god's presence in their situation but we also believe that it's important that we speak to not just individual pain but society's pain and this my dear friends, siblings, is many is what many of us have lamented about the modern church, especially in the United States, is that the United States is overwhelmingly fascinated 
from a pulpit perspective with speaking to individual pain and individual well-being while ignoring societal well-being and societal pain. Refusing to speak to the pain of racism, refusing to speak to the pain of xenophobia, refusing to speak to the pain of homophobia in order to um, speak to the individual pain of the suburban housewife while ignoring the societal pain of homelessness, of violence, of terror, of state-sanctioned terror. These are all things that our faith, our spirituality, our beliefs, our deconstructing should lead us to be concerned with, speaking out about, doing something about. But damn it, at bare minimum, using our voices to decry the things in our world that are causing harm. All right, folks. I have, I have, um, I have photo dumped. Hopefully, giving you a lot to, to think about, to chew on. Go back and listen to these, uh, these other episodes. There's some. I mean, there's a bunch of episodes. I, I don't want to start naming them, you know, from uh, past seasons that you can start cherry picking. But I'm telling you, man, um, existential has been a really, I feel blessed place because of what we have been able to share with the world. I'm appreciative of it. I'm grateful for it, and hopefully you are too. Grace and peace, my friends. Thank you.